All right. Been at this for an, about an hour now. Chrissy, you were absolutely right about this game. This is so filled with charm and quirky humor. I'm really enjoying this. Uh, I'm oh, so oh, glad. Hey, here's another NPC to talk to. Uh, uh, that's what? that's not an... Oh, dear. Uh, okay, okay. Guy with a megaphone. I haven't seen this enemy before. Uh, let, me, let me see it. Wait, why is he summoning people with hula hoops? Because and, and now there's someone with a pogo stick. Yeah, when they have the blue face and they do the erratic thing, that's not an NPC. Yeah, that's... I kind of just realized that now. And here's my real question. Why is this encounter in the first hour of the game? Well, um, I'm impressed because usually you don't see these guys until Tucson. So you've probably found the only one in Onet. And you're supposed to grind a little bit more before. Yeah, um... Just so you know, uh, you might want to beat it before your counter goes to zero. Otherwise, you're dead. Too bad running away didn't work. I'm sorry, James. Uh, your Ness is dead. Good afternoon, good evening, good whatever time of day it is. Welcome once again to Gaming Street Irregulars. I'm James Iris, joined as always by Chrissy Harding. Hi, everyone. And we have one of our favorite guests in the digital recording booth. Please welcome back SM Zelda Rules. Yay! Hello. <laughs> or Momo, or Zelda, or yes. a number Yee. of nicknames. <laughs> Oh we my have to God. keep the fake confused. Why not? Well, you know, names have power. Exactly, and when you give when you give them your name, they they now own your name. That's why you <laughs> never say my name is. You always say I am called. Mm. That's why there will never be an elf in the shelf in my house. I do not invite those suckers in. <laughs> I literally look at all my friends who do, and I'm like, do you not know how fae work? You don't invite that stuff in. Navi's bad enough. Yeah, we're better off with a Goomba on the Roomba. Ooh, I do like that one. That I would have. So Zelda, you have of course been continuing your Twitch streaming schedule. What games have you been playing lately? Right now, I actually went back to the Yakuza series. Um, I played Yakuza 0 in July, and then the Skyward Sword Zelda remaster came out. And then the the Wee sequel came out. So I was busy with those. And then, like, some, I got into Silent Hill, played some of those, and then I, I did the Fumito Ueda trilogy of Eco and Shadow of the Colossus and The Last Guardian for Extra Life. Oh. And then I finally went back to Yakuza, and I started the, the remaster of the first game, so. Oh, nice. we should have had you on our Silent Hill episode. Oh, my God. Well, I, like, just got into Silent Hill because, like, like you know, in the past few months, so it might have been weird timing. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, we did it for October, and uh, I, I completely went crazy over the second game. Have you played the second game yet? Oh, man. Yeah, we did um, the first ah. four. So, like, I played it the first four in the past few months, and it was amazing. And the second one is probably my favorite, yeah. It's one of the best ones. And it's and I did find out that there are um, psychologists who actually have done thesis papers on it, and it's representation, oh, of, and, and it's representation of mental health and grief and yeah. the handling of grief. So I was like, yeah, that, that is such a nice – I love that series because it – there's there's the zombiness and there's the weirdness of it and then there's then there's the actuality of underneath it mm-hmm. and the action and what I thought was interesting is it actually is based off of a real town in Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania called yeah. yeah called Centralia which I do want to go to but I also don't want to go to because yeah, you know, toxic fumes yeah so. there is like a few people still living there so yeah they won the right to stay there. But once the last person in Centronalia dies, they will demolish the town. Yeah, makes sense. 
All right, but when we're talking about Silent Hill today, we're going to talk about our other favorite game, Zelda. <laughs> and that is Earthbound. I love Real quick, Earthbound. before we dive into Earthbound, I do want to quickly mention one thing. Uh, another one of our friends of the of the podcast, the amazing Northern Belle Rogue, announced on her public channel, so we're going to make a big deal out of it here. They're engaged. Yay! Oh my god, and the ring is so uber cute and i love how she did the picture of it with a book in her hand which just proves how much you know northern bell is just amazing i just love that she had that he had they had a book in their hand to show off the ring it was just beautiful and we wish the best to them northern bell is one of our one is another one of our favorite guests here so in this time with everything kind of going on, I am so glad there, that there's that bright shining light and I hope the best for them. I'm so glad. I, I have to say when I heard the news, I got so verklempt. Oh, oh man. <laughs> it, it was just, just think it, about it. Talk amongst yourselves. Yes. Uh, here's a topic. Uh, a chickpea is neither a chick nor a pea. Discuss. Discuss. And does not belong on a salad. That stuff is purely for hummus, and that's the only way I'll eat them. <laughs> Yummy. Mm-hmm. Yum, yum, hummus. But yeah, Northern Belle, along with Zelda, Hurricane Kitten, and Akakioga, there are four horsewomen of cosplay. <laughs> they or, are. Or four horse people, since Northern Belle is non-binary. Hence mm-hmm. the they. Which they. I'm finally used to. It does take some time, because if you're so used to saying mm-hmm. it a certain way, and, and I try, and I think... My best friend's stepdaughter, um, who she considers her, who my friend considers like her daughter, is actually binary too. And I gotta remember, I grew up knowing Serene as a her. That was what she, now she's, now she is they. And it's been, Serene has probably been the most gracious person with this. And she goes, I know, you're old and your memory kind of (laughs) sucks. I was like, well, you know, I, I can't argue with that, actually. <laughs> I'm just, I'm so excited for Northern Belle. Congrats, congrats to her. You know, I can't wait to see the kitties dressed up for the wedding because, you know, that's probably going to happen. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Loki will rebel, but I'm, I'm pretty sure her other cats will be okay with it because they love her. So. And now that we have taken care of that tangent, we will return <laughs> with the war against Skigas. Right after this break. (laughs) Released in August of 1994 in Japan and June 5th of 1995 in North America, Earthbound was the sequel to the Japanese game Mother which did not come out in the United States Mm -mm. and was a later era release for the SNES, which didn't do it very many favors. Well, and also to be fair to, to earthbound, they didn't really promote it. Like they did their other later games too, which Mm. I always thought was, like, I remember just seeing a quick little blurb about it in the Nintendo Power, and that was it. Like, I didn't see anything about it again. I didn't really get into playing Earthbound until it came out on the Game Boy Advance when they re-released mm. it. And I always wanted to play it on its original system. So when I got the recal box, I actually was able to because I had an emulator on there. Because they hadn't put it out on the virtual console yet. And then when they put it on the virtual console, I bought it for my DS. So so I was a little bit of a late player to the Earthbound game, but I always thought it looked very cute, um, very charming. And it starts out that way. It does get dark and hard <laughs> fairly quickly. Especially, I think the, the death, the, the, and I'm not doing spoilers because it happens within the first 30 minutes of the game. The death of Buzz Buzz was like heart-wrenching to me it was the most mood whiplashy thing i'd seen in some time (laughs) i know it was like yeah and you really also really start to hate pokey's family like right off the bat i come from earth to earthbound mostly from a smash brothers background 
Mm-hmm. So when I saw Little Porky or Pokey, depending on your translation, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this beepity beeper. <laughs> yep. So just a little background into, so the first game in the series was Mother, which was released in 1989. In the U.S., it was actually released later on, I think on the Virtual Council, as Earthbound's The Beginning. Mm-hmm. The default name for the protagonist in that game is Ninten. Yo, you heard that right. It's the first six letters of Nintendo. It was his name, and he kind of goes on this adventure, and he's actually one of the first people to fight Gigas. So a little bit about who directed it and who kind of created it. And the really cool thing with Earthbound is it's just so freaking cute. (laughs) And the different areas in it have different themes for themselves. So the soundtrack kind of, you know, mixes itself up to go with those themes. So um, the writer-director of it is Shikisato. Itoi. Um, the lead programmer was Satoru Iwata, and the composers were Kelchi Suzuki and Hirokazu Tanaka. AKA Hip Tanaka. Mm-hmm. You know, who did music for Metroid, Kid Icarus, Balloon Fight, mm-hmm. Clue Clue Land, lots of other great 8 bit NES games. And RIP Iwata. Yes. Yeah, we, we miss you, Satoru. Yes. Hmm. But um, <clears throat> this game was most definitely, it had a very lengthy development time. So from... Yeah, five ni- years. It was five years that this thing sat in development and it was with its, and it was the original staff for mothers who helped make this game. So this was definitely a labor of love for these guys. And there was a third game in the series. It was only released in Japan. Unfortunately. <laughs> Unfortunately. But there is a really, really, really good um this is one of those ones you gotta play any way you can kind of things because yeah, the fan was, translation is very good. Yeah, and the if interesting thing is the the crew that did it over in um Starman.net, it took them a long time because they wanted to make sure when they did the translation it was really good. Like they did it because they love the game. And they did it all pretty much for free. Like, Mm -hmm. they just did this on their own time. So this should give you an idea of how diehard Earthbound fans really are with this game. Mm -hmm. And most people's actual first run-in with NAS was Smash Brothers. Like, Mm -hmm. which then, in my opinion, actually started... um, It also kind of had a cult following. So between Smash... Yeah, between Smash Brothers... And the people who played this game and enjoyed this game, and I think even Twitch streaming, I think a great deal of it helped kind of force Nintendo to put it on the virtual console when they realized that there were people who really loved this game and would be willing to pay for this game to play it again. I and do know it, that Iwata and Itoi had such a really like good relationship since Iwata helped Itoi so much to get this game out there that mm-hmm. eventually... Like, all of his fans really, yeah, like, we've been asking for it forever. And then finally he was like, yeah, I really, I really do want to put it on the virtual console. So he helped Itoi live that dream. (laughs) (laughs) So Earth, that's when Earthbound Beginnings also got ported to, like, that that got ported first, I think, and then Earthbound after that. Yeah, so they kind of, he kind of put it out there so people could play the first game in the series. Which you can definitely tell is an 8-bit game. Oh, definitely, yeah. Mm -hmm. Not going to lie on that one. But the the really cool thing about Earthbound is, is it took the traditional RPG elements and kind of subverted it in a way. It's not taking place in a fantasy world. It takes place in a world that looks just like our own. <laughs> a parodical version, to be sure. It's called Eagle Land, which is Eagle uh, Land. <laughs> kind of a, a pastiche of the United States. And they it's really, so funny. <laughs> yeah, and I just love the name of the towns, like, Onet, Tucson, Threed, Forsyth. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that it's counting up until, like, I would mention it. And they'd be like, oh, my God, how did I not realize that? No, and then there's the two. Yeah, then there's summer, summers and winters. It was definitely a game with heart. And it was the cute little things like that. When you beat Frankie, when 
you eventually be Frankie, um, James. He actually okay. becomes an ally <laughs> where you can actually go back to him to heal. Oh, nice. Oh. Yeah, there's the, um, oh, God. Yeah, the I just have to find the guy. Well, he's in the back of the arcade. I still have to find the arcade, too. Well, you might, I will tell you this much. You need to level up just a little bit more before you go into the arcade. Okay. The, um, oh, my God, from the, to the band. The, um, oh, God, what's the name of the, it's. The run, Runaway 4. The Runaway 5. No, is it 4 or 5? I believe it was 5. Four. Yeah, the five? Runaway 5. Yeah, I think they're uh, 5. Oh. Yeah. I think that there's like an Instagram account that's called Runaway Four that follows me. <laughs> <laughs> they must be Earthbound fans. Um, oh, definitely. <laughs> but like the Runaway Five, where it's like you are constantly helping these guys out. Like these guys have some of the. I don't know who their manager is, but they need to fire them because <laughs> they're constantly going into. They're always in debt to whoever runs the theater and I don't know how they do it. Did they get booked at Bob's Country Bunker again? Probably. Because <laughs> you know who they're based on, of course. Mm-hmm. You got that right. <laughs> they're on a mission from God. <laughs> yeah, they are they are very much a, a really cool and I and I have to say they they're they're a take on on the Blues Brothers. They're also actually a take on the Beach Boys. Mm-hmm. Yes, who were a very crucial musical influence on the game. Yep. And, that, and what's also cool about this game, too, is you know how mostly, and you know Zelda, too, is in most RPG games, you can't do your move until after your, you know, kind of your hit points are taken away from your HP. With this game, it doesn't wait. It allows you to do your next move, even if you took, like, yeah, it's so scary. <laughs> yeah, even if you took fatal damage, you can still do your next move. And if you beat the bad guy in that move before it hits zero, your character doesn't die. It stops right at whatever it was when the when the bad guy dies. Nice. Yeah, I, I thought that was a cool cool dynamic, and everyone said it was a cheat, but it actually really isn't a Not cheat. Really. It's so just scary. how it like, is. Oh my god! About yes. timing too, and like I suck at timing, so personally, I never really got far in this game myself i've just watched people play <laughs> i've i've made it all the way up to um oh when they get to jeff's dad mm. um no i take that back i got all the way up to when they got to the desert and then i ended up stopped playing because i forgot why i know i had to put i know i had to stop i stopped playing because something happened i can't even tell you what so i have a whole timeline of my story with this game yeah. It's like ridiculous. <laughs> but it's, you know, but it's such a good game. And I can definitely say as a child of the 90s, playing this game now and watching some of the character designs, I actually, I would start busting out laughing in the middle of the break room at work when I was playing it. Because I'm like, oh my God, I remember that stereotype from the 90s. Mm. <laughs> like the punk, the hippie. Oh my god. The old man the the older man that's grumbling about today's youth. Yeah, I, I was recently watching a friend play it for her first time and she she talked to him and I was like, Oh my god. Yeah. This freaking boomer. I know. It's like you sit there and it's easy and you're like I, I had to start laughing because I'm like, Oh my god, that is so true. That is <laughs> so true. It's still today. I mean, so many of the tropes are still relevant today. You know, and poor Paula, who keeps getting kidnapped. Mm-hmm. The typical girl gets kidnapped. I think I think a lot of changes to like the girl character in Mother Three, Kumatora. Oh my god! Yeah. Improved that like stereotype of you know the girl always in trouble. Yeah. She's like so badass. <laughs> Paula's badass too, but but in a different ways. Well, Paula, Paula was definitely the glue that held this group together. Yeah. And then Pokey, who just, or Porky, depending on which translation you get. He is like the running theme throughout like this whole, almost I feel like the whole series is like in some way, shape or form, he pops up and mm. you're just like, go away. He's like Seymour in Final Fantasy X. He just never dies. Yeah, seriously. Like, it's like, it's like, just die already. <laughs> he is most definitely a typical spoiled brat. 
Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that I love about the characters is they're all relatable in some sense. You have Ness, who's just a typical kid who kind of got stumbled into this whole thing. Paula, who is who's a normal who is as normal as she can be being telepathic, who just just wants to do the right thing and to and is very a nurturing mother motherly character. Jeff, who's the who's kind of the crazy genius of the crew. And then you have Poe, who's just He's kind of like the Zen master, and he's the one who teaches you a lot of the psychic psych spells, like tra- you know, uh, trans teleportation, the quick teleportation, and not the one where you have to take seven screens just to pull mm-hmm. that off. The true game begins when you find Pooh. Yeah, that is when it really starts to get good. Well, when Pooh finds you, technically, <laughs> just like when Jeff finds you and and drops in on his flying saucer. <laughs> but yeah, when you eventually do end up battling gigas it is you definitely start to understand why the game original game is called mother because really all he's looking for is his mom Mm -hmm. he just wants his mother and that's something that like they don't really go over in hearthbound because it's like it only makes sense to people who played the first game yeah with maria i feel like it it like it's it's weird because a lot of people who would just play Earthbound be like, what the heck is it talking about? And just get, like, it's more scary that way. But then if you have played Mother, I and or, like, know that that about Mother 1, it, like, it's kind of more, like, you feel really bad for her. Yeah, you, like, just okay. morphed into this even scarier, like, cosmic horror type thing. Yeah, I'm looking at some pictures of this guy, and I'm like, oh, cheese and crackers, what the yeah. heck? It's yeah. it like there's a whole like I tried to block this game out of my memory as a kid because I well I didn't really know too much about Gigas like I I could go over my whole timeline if you would like sure <laughs> yes so yes please starting at the beginning I was probably like well what what year did it come out 94? 90, 95. 95. so I was four my brother. F- saw the ad in Nintendo Power, like many people who got into this game in the, in the States and was like, yo, I want this game. So he bought it and it only came in that big ass like box set and you had to get the strategy guide with it. It was so expensive. I don't remember how he had the money for it. Maybe he asked for it for Christmas or something. I don't know. But we got it and I distinctly remember this, that the strategy guide had scratch and sniff cards and they smelled horrible like they still live rent free in my nose like it was that bad and if you ever bought it again i'm sure the smell is gone but like i distinctly remembered how every single one of those smelled there was like six of them or something (laughs) it was so bad and like because the marketing for back then when i when i got back into fandoms and stuff after i took a, a while for like a break from fandoms i like looked it up and i was like weirded out because it all said everywhere this game stinks because it's like a play on like how the cards stink (laughs) Mm. so like it was very bad the marketing was bad that's why i didn't really sell very well here so but then like i was very young and i kept uh having to go to bed like before my brother would finish like playing it every night so i don't remember anything about the final battle i don't think i ever saw the final battle as a kid I do remember the final area. Yes. And how like futuristic it was and um, how their bodies change and stuff. And then so when I woke up the next day, my brother was like, I beat the game. And I was like, oh, how did it end? And like, he, I don't, he might have told me, but because it was so messed up, he probably didn't want to ruin my, you know, like five year old brain. So, <laughs> so I kind of just kind of like had it live in my brain for a while that about the game and everything and when smash became popular and we got an n64 i was like oh my gosh ness is in this game it was it was so cool later on obviously you find out that it's because iwata and itoi were so close like since it didn't sell well here um you know why was ness in in smash and and it was because of iwata like they were just such good friends and he had a higher up position so he allowed ness to be in it but i remember in school everyone was confused as to where the heck this kid came from and i was like one of the only people who knew earthbound like so it really went into obscurity for a long long time and um 
So like years past, I I still played games and I cosplayed in college, but not too much. And I wasn't into fandoms. And then when I got back into them um, after I graduated, there was this fan video that came out by, what are they? Sagan Yi. Um, mm. it, and it's called Pollyanna, an animated Earthbound tribute. And Pollyanna is like, the sad song, like the um, do, 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 mm. like it's like the theme song. And it, it like, oh my gosh, it was so good. And like I cried and I sent it to my brother. I was like, this is so good. And it made, it made me want to get back into especially the Mother series. So I did a bunch of research and then like I, I only had my MacBook at the time. So I tried emulating it and I didn't get past like Tucson because it was so hard on the Mac. But then, like, in 2015, I went to a con, and I saw this, like, teenager. I was over, like, you know, after out of college, so I was, like, 23 or, or whatever, and or 24 or whatever, I don't remember. But I went to this convention, and I saw this Jeff cosplayer, and they were so young, and they were just sitting down by themselves in the hallway. And I was like, are you cosplaying Jeff from Earthbound? And the, they just, like, they, like, teared up. They They, I don't think they had anyone who knew who they were at all. Yeah. I I they I just like made their day <laughs> and they want they were like, could I have a hug? And I was like, sure. <laughs> it was so cute. Oh. And then <laughs> so me and my boyfriend Raf, we moved in with um our friend Ricky. And Ricky's like super good at games. Like any game you give him, he's so good at it. And he was itching to replay Earthbound. So I watched him replay it and because it, it was too hard for me to ever play. So, and I got to see the ending for the first time and it just was, you know, mind melding. And, um, and so I got, a, I got a cosplay group together for a past mag fest, which was really fun. I, I was apple kid and I made Raph be poo because he's bald. So it was easy. <laughs> <laughs> and then last year I was like, well, you know, no one, like if we just cosplayed together, nobody who know would know who I was compared to him. So I got Jeff together because I also really love Jeff. And you do a wonderful job with both of those outfits, both uh, <laughs> both Jeff and Raph's take on Pooh. Yes, Raph he is such really a hates... good cosplay boyfriend. <laughs> he's like he's such a trooper. He will he will be he he's always calling himself my model. So I just like. Place the little poo-shaped wig on his head, and yeah, it. I mean, when we did the group, it was really fun. So I would love to do that again now as Jeff. We'll find a Ness and a Paula. My cousin actually cosplays Ness, so it'd be really fun to do a a group with him at some point in Florida. He's from Florida. Oh, that's so. cool. That would be cool. Mm-hmm. And I just thought yeah. of a terrible pun. And if I ever see somebody with a T-shirt. With all four uh, Earthbound characters on it, I should mention to them: you need something to clean your shirt up. You got poo all over it. <laughs> yeah, I would take a picture and be like, "Say fuzzy pickles." Say fuzzy pickles. <laughs> I made Ricky play Mother Three as well um, before he he moved to like Massachusetts last year. But like before he moved, that was like one of the last games I saw him play. Like we would play games together, especially when we were furloughed together last year. Mm-hmm. And, like, he finished up Mother 3 at, like, the beginning of our furlough party together. So that was really cool to see. And, he like, his main thing is rhythm games. He loves rhythm games. He got me into Nier and Drakengard primarily because of the rhythm game boss battles in Drakengard. And so he just freaking loves them. And he was, like, a bomb at, like, at Mother 3 because it, it's way more of a rhythm-type game with battles. Mm-hmm. So that was really cool. I didn't really know anything about Mother 3 until then. So, uh, But now I cosplay Kumatora, and I got a, I got one of those big Toys R Us dog plushies for Boney. So Boney is my Aww. dog. <laughs> yeah, that's also the other thing I love about this is, is you don't have to go by the names that the characters are given defaultly. Like, you can name the characters. Mm-hmm. My brother named Ness as his name, and Paula as my name. And then for for like favorite stuff i was like i I wanted him to put peanut butter cups but it wouldn't fit so he put pb cups because that would fit i distinctly remember that (laughs) curse the five character limit yep yes i was i always i had pizza or pasta Mm. 
Those were always my two. And then the dogs were always named, I always would name the dog King because King was my first German shepherd that I had. So I always, oh, man. Uh, yeah. Well, it's a canon name. That's his canon name. Too, I didn't, so I didn't, I, yeah, I didn't know it at the time. Like I was like, <laughs> I'm naming you King. And then they're like, the dog's name is King. I'm like, dang. That's I so did funny. that without thinking. Yeah, I I just put it in the first time I played it, and as I t- and it's really fun. I have played this game from the start twenty times, and I've never beaten it, but I've always started it because it's always like I would put down, come back, be like, oh, I forgot the controls. Oh, I'll have to start mm-hmm. from the beginning. Oh darn, I have to start with the cute beginning again. So, so as a newbie to this game, I have mm-hmm. some questions for the veterans here. Okay, firstly. Is the photo guy ever explained? Nope. He was actually an addition added later by Iwata, I think. Yeah, he was. Ne- he's never explained. He just yeah. pops up. But when you beat the game and they do the credits, all those pictures that he takes actually play as a slideshow with the credits. Yeah, it's oh, so nice. It's very cute. But no, no one ever explains where he came from or who he is or how he pops up. They replayed his mechanic in Link's Awakening, the DX version, where he put and it. And I, I, it took me a moment to realize where where he came from until I played when then. But then when I played Earthbound, I'm like, oh my god, it's the camera guy from Earthbound. <laughs> he's he's on the island. <laughs> That's so funny. I've only played the original Link's Awakening, so I didn't know that they put him in the remaster. Yeah, when they the did redo. the when they did the DX the DX one for the color, he you can actually have him oh. take pictures and because they had the color camera, you could print out the pictures. Oh my god. Yeah. That was part of what they did when they did the deluxe version of uh, Link's Awakening. But yeah, so he pops. Cool. Yeah, he pops up, and then they never explain where he came from. I have no idea who thought it was a good <laughs> idea to put in there. Oh, Whoever I, they yeah, were, they were like, geniuses. <laughs> I was watching like videos and stuff, and because like you, you know, I I don't know like absolutely everything about this game, and so like yeah, I guess Iwata. It was one of Iwata's ideas that he added. Same thing with the Escargot Express to make things a little easier. Oh um, my god, like, I love management. The, I love the Escargot. I love yeah. the escargot express. It's such a play on escargot, the snails. Yeah. <laughs> Even like, I wish it was, I wish you could hold a little more than just a screen full of stuff per person, but. Yeah, you definitely learn how to do item management with this game. Yeah. Okay, so my next question. Mm-hmm. What would you argue is the most entertaining boss battle that you've encountered in the game? Um, I know the most frustrating one for my former roommate Ricky that I, I that I remember the most was the moles because yeah, don't you have to fight them in like a certain order or something? Yes, you yeah, you get them. You there's mole yeah, and you have to like go to the different ones. But the thing, well, there is and there isn't because they are not tougher than each other. They're the same fight. Like it's this, they're at the same level. They're like, I'm tougher than two. I'm tougher than three. Three, I'm t- I'm number. No, they're the same amount of hit damage. And it, it's annoying because you think you have to fight them in a certain order, but you don't. Mm. But they, the game makes you think you do. So that's the part that's annoying with that one. <laughs> and now I suddenly get the go- joke from that one idle clicker game I used to play. What's that? I, I forget the name of it off the top of my head. I'll edit it in right here. It is NGU Idol. And where you encounter the moles and they each say things like, I am the third toughest of my brothers, or I am not the weakest, but I'm not the strongest. And then you get to the oh, last shit. one. It's like, yeah, those five are all jokers. I'm the toughest of the bunch. And and the others say, hey, we all agreed we were going to say we were third toughest. Yeah. Oh wow. That and is that, definitely an Earthbound reference. <laughs> that is definitely an Earthbound reference to the moles. Oh my god, that is yeah, cuz that's what they say. I'm not the sh- I'm not the toughest, but I'm not the weakest or I am the third like they all pretty much say they're the third toughest, all five of them. And you sit there and you're thinking to as they're telling you this, you really do believe you start to believe, "Oh my god, do I have to fight these guys in a, in an order? How do I do the order?" And it's like, "No, no you don't. You you can beat them all up. It's fine." It took me looking at a strategy guide to get that. Okay. And yes, I have used a strategy guide with this game a few times. Um, <laughs> I do love how they worked in the Loch Ness Monster, too. 
Oh, really? Mm, Nessie's so cute. Nessie's so cute. N- Nessie, Nessie will give you a lift. Oh. Yeah, Nessie's Lapras really cute. before Lapras. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have to say, I think the the boss that was the most entertaining for me to fight, I actually liked fighting the tent in Threed. The boogie tent? The boogie tent. <laughs> I always, every time I, I'm like... Tent. Yeah, it's he's not really a boss boss. You just bite this tent that pretty much is create helping to create the zombies and yeah, but it's it's kind of a fun fight. Oh, if the tent is that tough, imagine fighting the gazebo. <laughs> There's a D and D joke for you folks. Yeah, and always keep showing up and every single time Randy runs a campaign we have to fight a gazebo. <laughs> I promise you, James will not show up in mine. I refuse to have fighting gazebos. That's okay. Tables are still on the table, though. <laughs> Tables on the table. The... Is that going to be another spinoff of Elf on the Shelf? Maybe. <laughs> Tables on the table. The cop is pretty funny, too. Oh, I my mean, God. Yes. One, but... Yeah, when you have to prove that you're tough enough so you have to fight the cops. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. That's like, you <laughs> I sit love there. when like, the captain is just like, Oh, you think you're tough? Well, here's like five of my tough, my toughest men. Like, prove yourself. And you just sit there and you fight each one of them, and it's like they're down. You're a and the- kid fighting the cops. It's so funny. Well, considering how quickly they let Frankie run overrun the town, I'm not quite sure how I feel about them being tough. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, a kid turned around and reformed your biggest gangster. You guys have been fighting this guy for how many years now? <laughs> All right, my next question. This is more of a correct me if I'm wrong statement. Mm-hmm. Ness's abilities in the Smash Brothers game, he doesn't necessarily have all of those in Earthbound, does he? I don't really know, actually. I, I think he's got access to PK Fire and PK Lightning and PK oh. Freeze. Oh, and he, does, he has yeah. them. Yeah, he eventually gets them. Like he, yeah, as, as you, them. yeah, as you level up, you'll start to learn more PK, uh, more PK fighting stuff. You yeah, learn, they call yeah. them. I don't know. I never really knew why they changed the translation in Smash because it's Psy, PSI, yeah, in it's... Earthbound, and then yeah. they change it to PK in Smash. Yeah, it Maybe was it just yeah. enunciated better. Yeah, might have. I mean, yeah, since Earthbound isn't voiced, so yeah, so yeah, that makes sense. Yes, um, it's those those abilities you do eventually earn them as you level up in earthbound which is and why when my... you meet Pooh too like he'll teach you a bunch of stuff as well oh, yeah. yeah okay Pooh, because Pooh my understanding was uh Pooh was the uh the, one of the strong the strongest uh psychic Pooh abilities is like op yeah he's, yeah, Paula... he's way overpowered <laughs> Paula is also supposedly stronger psychically than Ness yeah. She yeah, she's definitely her all of her attacks um all of her effective attacks are psi attacks. She's got like ice and stuff, I think. Yeah, like she's got some really and she also has a lot of the healing psi okay. attacks too. So yeah. she's definitely the cleric of the group in a way where she's the healer. I mean, yeah, she can definitely hand, she can definitely beat the crap out of someone with the frying pan. But her strongest attacks are most definitely her psi attacks. Where Jeff is the explosive expert, he is the mm-hmm. one who you want to give all the bottle rockets to. My brother hated Jeff, though. He, he called him useless, and I was like, I feel like it's definitely one of those, like, you just gotta learn how to use him right. Oh, yeah, and the because, other thing- Because, like, he has to, like, tinker with st- Like, you collect things for him to tinker with as you rest in yeah. hotels and stuff, and then- He'll have like more powerful like bottle rockets and stuff like that. So you just have to invest time with him, like you yeah. know, say yeah. Gao in Final Fantasy VI. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. that's a good comparison. Yeah, yeah. You you always want to rest in this game, especially if you pick up something that is broken, and you always want to make yes, sure the you broken stuff. the broken stuff you give that stuff to Jeff because he'll come up with he'll and it's not even just like more powerful weapons, but sometimes it's stuff that you can use. To advance the story, too. Um, there's also a point in time where you have the choice to um, invest in two kids. The apple kid and the orange kid. And the orange kid is like everyone in Tucson thinks he's this great inventor. And he's really not. And then there's the apple kid who will actually create really cool stuff for you. 
Yeah, Apple Kid's definitely the better investment. He's That's the why better. I cosplayed him over Orange Kid. <laughs> yeah. He, oh, come he... on. Anybody who's watched Apple grow over the last couple of decades will tell you that. <laughs> but yeah, he's, um, but that you, I mean, you do get a lot of choices. You can invest in both of them. Um, but anything that you get from the Orange Kid is just going to be completely worthless. If you can sell it, sell it. That's the other thing, too. I love the for sale sign and the fact that all you have to do is just put out the for sale sign and like someone will come and buy stuff from you. <laughs> it doesn't matter where you are. You could be you could be in like Magnacant and there's still someone who will find you to buy your crap. Oh, I wish it was that easy at conventions. Right? I know. <laughs> put out the for sale sign. Just wait for people to come up. This game actually... Um, Itoi used to say said that his really his goal for this game was to pretty much play with people's emotions when they play this game. He wanted you to feel distraught in certain times. He wanted you to feel laughter and happiness. Sounds like it worked. And it did because this game like I said this game has a really has heart to it. And the background for the fights, oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my I, god. The video I watched like said that the guy who made the backgrounds took like two years to make them. Yeah. And he wanted them to be like a video drug. Like when you were fighting these guys, he wanted it to feel like an acid trip, apparently. Oh my god, it just feels like you're high the whole time. Yeah. It's definitely like and you're especially like, the music added on to it too. Exactly. Yeah. So for this, he made over 200 of these animations uh, just solely working on the backgrounds, not even doing like the the characters. And the uh, localization for this game to America, it actually went for two guys doing the localization. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to find their names. I think Jeff something. What is like Mark something? Interactives. Okay, here we go. Dan Osen began the English localization and had converted about 10% of the script before he got moved to a different one. Marcus Lindbaum actually finished the rest. And he was actually given liberties to make the script as weird as he wanted. Like they actually said, have fun with it. Have have a good time with it. Because they knew that for Jap- there's a big difference between Japanese culture and American culture. And they wanted to make the localization as American as possible. So they just kind of told him to just have fun with it so he pretty much worked alone on it and he pretty much had no one he reported to so no one really oversaw his work on this game they just were like yeah sure whatever have a good time (laughs) he did work with masayuki miura who actually translated the uh, japanese script and kind of contextualized it for an american he kind of took the japanese script translated into english um, and then, so he was greatly aided by that. Mark, Marcus said that it was a kind of a glass half full situation. Which is a good thing. Yeah. He also had to take out a lot of the intellectual properties, a lot of religion, and he had to take alcohol out of the game. Mm-hmm. So in other words, he had to take like... A truck's Coca-Cola logo off. The red cross, the red crosses at the hospital and crosses on the tombstones. He had to fudge those a little bit. Right. Nintendo has a big old no religious depictions rule, which got subverted a few times, but not this time. Mm-hmm. Nope. Also, well, notably, the happy happiest cultists yep. were given little pom poms on their hoods to make them look less like the KKK. Thank God. Although personally, I'd like to think about beating up the KKK, but <laughs> well, and that oh, was yeah, the... yeah, Marcus Lindblom—that's his name. Yeah, yeah. and um, he there's decided... like a whole book about it. I think that he helped make. Yeah, he he literally had to kind of like take stuff from scratch, and he had, he had some things. Alcohol became coffee in Mag in uh, Magicant in the original game. Ness actually ends up naked in there because he's kind of because that's where he confronts his dark side. They kind of took that away because they're like, oh, no, we can't have any nudity in this game. Which it's like, as I look at a picture of it, I'm like, dudes, you're not seeing anything. What? <laughs> so, but they they really changed quite a bit with that. And he kind of had to do it on his own. He did add in private jokes and he did make some kind of like references to like Bugs Bunny, Benny Hill. And whether you realize it or not, this is Spinal Tap. Yes, and I do mean the movie. 
<laughs> well, now my last question, and you know, not necessarily at the end of the discussion, but can you guys? I'm I'm sorry. Can you gals tell me what the deal is with Mister Saturn? Boing, boing. <laughs> Mister Saturn says, boing. No one really knows what Mister Saturn is there's theories but they never <laughs> really go like this is what he is like no one really really knows toy just made a weird looking thing and i think his daughter's handwriting was an inspiration for how his text looks in the yes game. i think yeah i think i you are i think you're right yeah i'm just looking it up real quickly on the earthbound wiki so they're kind of one of the species um in the game you don't see them in the first one. You just see them in, in Earthbound and Mother 3. They're very, very peaceful. <laughs> they usually say boing, ding, and zoom at the end of their sentences. And it is, yeah, it's, um, they do, um, it is said that the handwriting of his, of she, Shigi Sato Toi's daughter was kind of the inspiration for how it looks. It's probably the first use. I To me, anytime his writing, I'm like, it's wingdings. <laughs> like, that was my first <laughs> thought seeing it. It was like, oh my God, it's wingdings. Some of their preferred food is peanut butter cheese bars or peanut cheese bars and piggy jelly. <laughs> piggy jelly. And you can buy that actually at their store. Ew. It's- and and the thing is, is with Mr. Saturn, he he's kind of one of the hidden geniuses in the game. The belief is, is they kind of followed Gigas here, and they just they just kind of settled. They are also responsible for designing the absolutely safe capsule that which Pokey uses in times of desperation. The only thing is, they don't have any arms, so people. It's kind of one of those like, how did they make that if they have no arms? <laughs> yeah. But no, Mr. Saturn is a very interesting, is a very interesting character. He really is. You actually save him from Belch and his fly honey factory because he kind of captures them and enslaves them. So once you save them, they're like some of your best friends. They also help uh, make the phase distorter that you use to get to um, Gigas. So they do play a pretty big part of the story. There are several plushies of him upon which you can buy. They're expensive mm-hmm. as heck. But yeah, he's he was kind of the unintentional hit of the game. Like, you know, like that cute, you know, like there's like the the uh, rabbits the in the Mana series, you know, the slimes from um, Dragon Quest, you know, like the, like those little small characters that just everyone just adores. And you're yeah. kind of like, why? <laughs> like, if you think about it, you're like, why? Why do we like this character so much? He's, but he's such a fun character. Their whole time in Happy Happy Valley is like, it's really cute. And the other cool thing is, uh, Mark Limbrom actually has his daughter is actually an Easter egg in the game. When he was doing the translations for this game, his he actually his daughter Nico was born. So oh. there's a character in the game called Nico, and that's that's named after his daughter. It's really cute. Oh, that's, that's a cute sweet. little, yeah. That's a cute little Easter egg. So, uh, Chrissy, did you have anything you wanted to talk before I get to our last subject on this? I will definitely say this is a game to kind of play any way you can. Unfortunately, it is not currently for sale on the Switch. No. No. So this is definitely has gone back from the yes, definitely don't download this game from the Virtual Console. It's worth it to kind of a play any way you can game. If you have not played Earthbound, I definitely recommend it. It's such a cute game. It's such a cute story. It is definitely one of the top ten. It's definitely in my top ten um, RPG games that came out on the Super Nintendo. And I really hope eventually comes the Switch Online because that would be really cool. Mercifully, Nintendo made enough of those Super NES minis, which include Earthbound, so mm-hmm. hopefully those aren't too expensive to find. Yeah, I'm surprised that they did that and not Chrono Trigger. I don't think they had the rights to Chrono Trigger. I, I think Chrono Trigger was a matter of square tax. Yeah. yeah. And I also think that Chrono Trigger, they're looking to release that kind of how they did for the how they did with the Mana series, where they kind of kind of released like the I the mana collection where it was like the the, the couple of the different mana games on there and then then they released trials which was updated both um 
yeah, visually and everything. Yeah, so I think they I think they're going to go that way with it because I do believe that the rights to it have been um, they have they kind of renewed them just like they keep doing every year with freaking uh, Eternal Darkness, Requiem for Insanity, Requiem for Sanity. <laughs> they keep renewing the rights and never release it, and it's yeah. starting to. I feel Tick like I'm going to have to emulate that because I don't – or, well, my friend has a uh, hacked Wii that Ricky actually hacked before he moved to Massachusetts, so we might try and do that because I, I heard I would love it. You uh, would like – that is one that, – that was one of the few GameCube games that I truly loved playing. That's and, really cool. Yeah, and it got me into a lot of um, Lovecraftian – like, it got mm. me into exploring cosmic horror. It is a really good game. We'll do, and we're probably going to do that next next October as one of our um, podcasts. So hopefully get to play it by then so then you can come on and talk about it again with me. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of uh, games we're planning on talking about next October, I want to talk about some of the games Earthbound has influenced. Mm-hmm. There's a very few RPGs that are set in real world settings. And some of the ones made in America are definitely Earthbound influenced, including... Costume Quest, which is a personal favorite series of mine. Trey Parker has confirmed that South Park, the Stick of Truth, is influenced mm-hmm. by Earthbound. And of course, the inescapable Undertale. Yes. Yep. That one was definitely when Undertale I came out. Like the first like trailers of it, I was like, what is this Earthbound game? <laughs> yeah, I was the same when I when I finally watched people play Undertale and Delta Rune, I'm like, oh, it's Earthbound, right down to the T-shirt. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, <laughs> it's Earthbound." Toby Fox actually made an Earthbound fan game, so that makes a lot of sense. It does, yeah. And he has said that that Undertale, Undertale, and Delta Rune is heavily influenced by Earthbound. So this was like this was kind of like the 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 RPG game that almost didn't take off in America, but influenced video games so much by the people who played them. Um, were two of the biggest games that came out under Town Delta Rune. I think like a main part of it is because of how much it felt like it was America. Like mm-hmm. Itoi really, really wanted to influence not only just Japanese people, but also us here. And I think he really, really hit the mark on that. Yeah. Which is, it's, it's so sad to think about like every single mother game almost didn't happen. And didn't get like fully released, so like I, it's hard to think about a world without it. Yeah, and the thing is, is it had it it really had so many influences that are American from. And I, I was just reading like some uh, someone actually wrote in their write up for it said that the design character design and world design felt like something that Charles Schultz of Peanuts fans, which is my one of my favorite properties, would have designed. It had the feeling of like the Peanuts. I mean, these were just regular kids. These weren't like, this kid had a tragic backstory and is really the chosen one. It was a regular kid whose dad was working, mom took care of the house, had had an older sister, had a dog, lived in this cute little house, had a normal life, and suddenly a bee-like character just said, hey, you're the chosen one. (laughs) And I love the fact that you could, when when you get on the phone and you call your dad or call your mom... Like your mom cures homesickness and your dad is like, hey, son, good job. Here's a thousand dollars. Wow. <laughs> yeah, the money thing is really funny. And you just sit there and you're like, oh, okay. I love the money part of it because A, you can go to an ATM machine and they're all over the place. It's not like you have to hunt for one. Mm-hmm. Just like a phone. You don't have to hunt for a phone. You can find a Boy, phone. I remember those days. <laughs> Oh yeah, the payphones. That was something that I was I was playing it once when my niece one of my nieces was over. And the older one's like, I know what a payphone is. The younger one's like, what the hell's that thing? I was like, Oh yeah, this thing, this is what it was. And I had to explain to her, like calling if you had it didn't have money on you, you had to call collect, but you had to try to get everything in when it says, Please say your name here and nothing else. And you had to try to tell like where you were and if you needed a ride to your parents. So they didn't get charged for the collect call. <laughs> So, before we wrap this discussion up, Zelda, I'm going to give you the chance for the last word. Anything we haven't mentioned you wanted to discuss? Um, I mean, it's kind of cool that 
the translator for uh, like they they were going to make a translation for Mother One. I just found out recently, mm-hmm. um, and the guy that so the guy I was thinking of because I forgot about Marcus. I was thinking of this guy named Phil Sandhop, who was like making like like they actually pretty much had the full translation down to come to America, and then they decided to scrap it. But there were a few cartridges that did get out somehow and some guy i forgot his name uh had one and sold it and then this guy was like is this for real like earth it says earthbound but this is an earthbound like yeah <laughs> he was just very confused and then um there's this like like chrissy said earlier there's like there's like some organization that was like you know trying to do uh like rom hacks and stuff for for the mother series and they they bought it they they tried buying it off this one guy and he was like no i'll let you borrow it but it was like you know it was like hundreds of dollars in like passing it back and forth and stuff so that that was the way people played mother one before earthbound beginnings came out thanks to iwata so i thought that was really cool i just found that out recently yeah i actually Um, and the the guy who actually led both projects for Mother 3, and he was one of the ones that was trying to do Mother 1, and that was Clyde Tomato uh, Mandolin, who's the co-founder. Yes, Tomato. And he, yeah, Tomato. Uh, he is actually the co-founder of Starman.net, and he's also a professional mm-hmm. games translator. So he kind of led the project for Mother 3 back in uh, November of 2006, and it was finally finished in October of 2008, and it's a free translation. Yeah, it's it, it definitely is great because I don't I honestly don't think Mother Three will ever come to the States. So I'm glad that Tomato is so like, you know, out there and because I actually had a friend recently message me because he came out with a version of Final Fantasy Six that's like it's kind of like a weird like definitive version. Mm-hmm. I don't really know the the like details of how like different it is and whatnot because I don't know if I'd ever want to replay it because I like I like the original so much. But yeah, that was my first time hearing his name because I for I didn't really knew know who made the fan translation of Mother Three. But then when I googled him recently because of my friend telling me about Final Fantasy Six, I was like, oh, it's the guy that did Mother Three. Nice. Yeah. But there is another cool thing that there is this weird Mandela effect with um, a game that was supposed to come out called Earthbound 64. Because I remember back in the day when N64 oh, yeah. came out, yeah, they I were the promoting the Nintendo that. Power previews for that. Mm-hmm, they did the Nintendo Power preview. They they promoted it a lot in Japan um, and here, but it was most, mostly in Japan too. And it was... It was definitely like getting worked on a lot in like years and years past over and over. People were asking for it and it kind of just got shelved, but then it ended up becoming Mother 3 in the end. So at least, you know, like it definitely was going to be different. Yeah. (laughs) From seeing Screech, it looked like it was a weird like Chrono Cross type thing because you could have like a lot of characters that you could recruit and stuff. But yeah. But if, at least it eventually became Mother 3, so, and, um, but it was made, like, Itoi just had, I think, I think the problem with Itoi's brain was that he, he wasn't a programmer, so he had such big ideas that just the N64 just would not be able to handle, so, mm. but then, but then when the, the G, the, uh, what was it, the GBA at the time, I think, came out, yeah, and they decided mm. to bring back the idea of Mother 3, um, and, and also before Mother 3 came out, they reported Mother 1 and 2 together on the GBA as well to get at least people in Japan really excited because we never got that version. But yeah, it's kind of like Xenosaga. Xenosaga 3 was coming out, so Japan put Xenosaga 1 and 2 on like the DS or something because yeah. those are PS2 games. I, 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 that's just wild to me that a PS2 game was like truncated down to a DS version in Japan. Like they're just crazy. <laughs> They'll do <laughs> it. Yeah. Like the norm there. <laughs> yeah. They did. Yeah. Japan is one of those places when it comes to electronics, it's like, you can't do that. And literally as my friend Kentaro would say, don't ever say that to a Japanese game maker. Cause he'll literally <laughs> be like, here, hold my sake. 
<laughs> and he'll do yeah. it. And I'm not, and that is exactly how he says it too. He's just like, he's like, here, hold my sack. Yeah, I'm like, are you trying to tell me to hold your beer? He's like, yeah, that's our version of it. <laughs> well, hold my sake while we paused for, for a break. And when we return, we will have this day in gaming history. Want to support the Irregulars? Head over to www.patreon.com backslash FC3ROC. We're part of the media division of Flower City Comic Con, based in Rochester, New York. We're a nonprofit group. Everything we make off of Patreon and everything else we do goes right back into putting on our future conventions and other events, from reserving the facilities to bringing in guests. If you pledge any amount, even a slim dollar, you will receive improved access to my blog entries, where every Tuesday I go over current video game news and write retrospectives on old-school arcade games, all delivered conveniently to your inbox. There's plenty of other perks and rewards, and if you don't see what you're looking for, reach out to the crew. They'll be happy to work with you. Want to get a hold of us in particular? You can email Christy directly at k-r-i-s-s-i at fc3roc.org. And me at J-A-M-E-S at F-C-3-R-O-C dot org. At the moment, we're still working out most social media matters, but we are indeed on Facebook at Gaming Street Irregulars. Chrissy and I are fairly frequently there sharing news and things we find cool. And begging, I mean asking, for your questions and answers to be used in upcoming episodes. Yeah, asking. That's the ticket. We love hearing from you all, whether you have praise, constructive criticism, or just want to share something cool and gaming-related yourselves. Also, wherever you find FC3 on social media, we're usually not too far behind, so if you reach out to them with something for us, they'll get it to us shortly. Legally speaking, all music, sound effects, voice clips, and so on are the properties of their respective owners. We make no claim to them and have no intention of profiting off of them. Please don't sue us. We have nothing you'd want. Oh, it was a dry, dry day for releases this year. I mean, this day. <laughs> and because I was looking and I was looking and I was looking and. And he still hasn't found thing, what he's looking for, people. Yep, <laughs> the only thing that remotely jumped out at me was Gegege no Kutaro. Correction. It's actually Obake no Kutaro 1 1 Panic. Okay. Yeah, you you probably haven't heard of it. Uh, we we would know it here in the states as Chubby Cherub, which was a 1986 NES release from Bandai. Chubby Cherub got its start as an anime tie-in about this ghost Kutaro from the same people who created uh, Doraemon. Oh, you know that that cute blue cat thing we see all over the place. Okay, I just pulled up a picture of it, and I'm now going to click off it, because I was not expecting to see a naked with wings animation character come flying across my screen. Yeah, and again, <laughs> in 1986. Yeah, I just, yeah, I saw some of the artwork for that, and if Pemi ever does another terrible artwork one, he needs to do one for that game. Yeah. <laughs> And speaking of which, we hope Pemmy can get up the energy again to join us because we want to do Chrono Trigger with him and with Zelda at the same time. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, we definitely have to do a, tr- a Chrono Trigger one. And speaking of Zelda, how about we wrap up by having you tell everybody listening where they can find you? So I am SM Zelda Rules on literally everything. <laughs> on Facebook, everything. Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube. Um, Facebook sucks though, so the other things are better. I don't know. Twitter's not better by much. <laughs> Twitch. Let's go with Twitch. Twitch. Yeah, is we'll better. go with Twitch. Yeah, let's go with Twitch. Now, do you have a Patreon page too? No, I don't do Patreon. I do have a Kofi though. There we I, go. I don't have time. I have a full time job, so I don't have time to make Patreon another full time job. <laughs> yeah, that is working in of itself. 
That is fair. I do. I have been like working a lot on my YouTube channel lately, but it's mainly of like clips and highlights from my Twitch channel. So hey, nothing wrong with that. Those need to be preserved. Yeah, those are mainly like where my fun goes, my fun time goes. I I have um, a YouTuber I follow called the Illuminati, as in T. EA and that's from mm. her Twitch stream where she she'll actually she does a lot with exposing bad businesses and MLMs. Mm. And she she does a lot of it on her Twitch stream which is hilarious. She just did something about reality TV shows from the from the 90s. Ooh. And that was freaking hysterical watching cuz I was like, "Oh my god, I remember that show. I remember that train wreck. <laughs> oh my god, it is still a train wreck. Okay, I I remembered it correctly." <laughs> Like date my mom or something where like the guys date the girl's mom and then he determines who he wants to date off of how the how the date with the mom went. Oh gosh! Like tra- train wreck stuff. Wow, that's that that is cringy. Yes, it is. <laughs> and uh, I think we better cut it off here before it gets worse. That's folks. <laughs> on behalf of Chrissy Harding and SM Zelda Rules, I'm James Irish. Thank you so much for tuning into Gaming Street Regulars. We will see you in the new year. We're going to take a couple weeks off for Christmas and other holidays. Mm-hmm. Until then, game on. Bye, everyone. Thank you.